at one of the working groups, we were asked, is it possible that you could produce an idiot's guide to it for the regular people, the ones that do the actual medical device work who still need to do this bit? And the head guy, the commission guy, because there has to be a commission guy on the top of all these things, he said, no. He said, Udamed is IT. Udamed is software. Get your IT teams to explain it to you. Most of the IT teams fix the computer if it goes down. They'll install a new piece of software. They'll add a new user. They are not heavy-duty developers. Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Across the globe, visionaries and innovators are building the future of medical devices, devices that redefine boundaries, extend possibilities, and improve the quality of life for millions of people. But every innovation encounters obstacles, regulatory complexities, data management hurdles, evolving quality standards. Transitioning from prototype to the patient is filled with challenges. There are a multitude of regulations and requirements that can get in the way. Many teams have inherited or relied on legacy tools, outdated systems, and manual processes that can move the product lifecycle backward rather than forward, turning potential medical breakthroughs into nothing more than long-held ideals that just couldn't quite make it. Time is of the essence, and with every delay in getting to market, the potential to change real lives for the better gets diminished. And this is where Greenlight Guru can help. Our suite of purpose-built solutions helps companies modernize quality management, streamline design and development, improve clinical trial operations, and keep up with industry trends and changing regulations. Ultimately, getting high-quality medical devices to market faster and keeping them there. We help companies pivot from pitfalls to progress, moving devices forward, not backward. Over a 1,000 medtech innovators trust Greenlight Guru to help them move faster, get more efficient, reduce risk, and ensure quality, so that in every innovation, every device reaches its full potential, improving lives around the world and setting new standards in healthcare. Greenlight Guru, moving medtech forward. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Unique Device Identification, or UDI for short, specifically for the European uh, for the European Commission. Today, we brought on Richard Houlihan. Richard Houlihan is an international speaker and guest university lecturer on Udemed. His time running the European Commission IT teams developing Udemed has given him unrivaled insights into how Udemed affects the medtech industry. And by the way, if you if you hear me flip-flop back and forth between Udemed and Udemed, I'm really not exactly sure how it's supposed to be pronounced, but uh, I hear it both ways, so I kind of dabble in both directions. But uh, Richard's Udemed experience in his 28 years in IT, he, it gives him a real advantage when helping companies prepare for Udemed, FDI, FDA Good ID, and other regulatory submissions. His company, AirMed, with the website Udemed.com, which, yeah, how did you get so lucky to have Udemed.com, provides ongoing Udemed and regulatory submission support, training, and Udemed mobile search app and software to help manufacturers, importers, European authorized reps, and distributors meet their Udemed obligations. To date, Richard and his team have trained over a thousand people on Udemed and helped hundreds of companies with Udemed consultancy and the regulatory data submissions to Udemed. So we kind of talk about the the history 
of Unimed, what it took to get there and where it is currently and what the the near and long-term future of Unimed is. Hope you enjoy this episode. Last little note that I'll throw out here is my co-host, Brittany Smith. She's new. She's a she's new to the podcast. You may have heard her actually. We've done a podcast in the past with her. Um, she's my uh, stand-in co-host. I'm hoping to do more episodes with her. So love any feedback you have on if this works. If it doesn't work, um, I think she's pretty great. You'll you'll really like listening to her. She's a medical device guru. She has UDI experience, so that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring her into this episode. But hopefully, we'll have her on more episodes in the future. So let's get to the episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Etienne Nichols. I'm the host of today's episode. Uh, with me today, I actually have a couple guests with me. Not Well, not a couple guests. Uh, one special guest, Richard Houlihan from AirMed. We're going to be talking about Udemed, um, first of all. So, Richard, how are you doing today? Hey, good to see you. Great to have you with us today. Also with me is my co-host, Brittany Smith. And uh, she. I, I dragged her onto this episode because she, in her past life, uh, had to deal with UDI. And, and it's kind of funny, and I'll let you speak to this a little bit, Brittany, but it seems like anybody in a medical device company, once you learn what that acronym stands for, you are suddenly in charge of the entire initiative. Is that kind of what your experience was? <laughs> You're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Once I, once I learned the process, I was the UDI person. It didn't matter if it was FDA, Udemed, PrEP. I was the go-to. So I was educating the team. I was managing our UDIs, the GMDN, all of that. So yeah, once you become that expert, they're like, you've got it. So you got to learn all the acronyms because UDI has a lot of them. They really do. And I, and so I want to talk a little bit, Richard, about your journey toward to, to where you are today. And because uh, you've been with, you've been involved, whether peripherally or directly with Udemed for a long time. Isn't that right? Yeah, for my sins. Um, I started with Udemed in 2011. Wow. And I had a working group in 2012. I was, I was in Ireland. I was in the European Commission office in Ireland. And my clients effectively were in Brussels. So I would just talk to them like this on video before it was fashionable. Mm. Right? But it's, it was good. But I would talk to them once a week. We'd go through what was happening with Udemed too. And I was running that. And then I went to a working group in the March, give or take. And this this was just after the PIP case, which was the, the industrial silicone in the breast mm -hmm. implants from France, caused a whole load of pain for people. It was a horrible situation. But at this meeting, they started talking about the, um, the, up, the new version of Udemed that they were going to start on and the new regulations. And I made it my business to get stuck into the middle of the regulations. So from a nerdy level, I managed to follow it from thought all the way through to the trialogues, all the way through to the delivery of the, um, and the enacting of the, 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 the medical device regulations. But on the Udemed side, I thought naively, I thought coming from the private sector that they're talking about creating a piece of software year and a half, two years, we should be live. And the people, the commission kind of laughed my naivety and they went, no, 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 we think maybe 2016, 2017. And this is 2012 now. Yeah. And I thought, geez, that's a long time away. So I thought, okay, eureka moment. Udemed is going to be big. Udemed is going to require a lot of um, help because the, the, the working group I was at, it was one of these really nice ones with all the little country flags in front of the delegations and really intimidating. 
And I was supposed to do a 20-minute presentation and walk away. But the competent authorities that were there, they didn't want anybody walking away. They wanted anybody who could answer their questions. Mm. So I got verbally attacked and battled for an hour and a half with the member states and with the um, with the, the, the competent authorities. And I thought, wow, if these guys don't understand what's going on, I'm in a great place here. So I decided then that I'm going to chase this Udamed thing. And I still thought 2016, 2017, there was going to be something. So I was running the, I was running Udamed at that, Udamed 2 at that time. It, it does exist already. Mm-hmm. It's only available to competent authorities and um, the European Commission. But the notified bodies have to provide the competent authorities with all the data and all the incidents, all the big serious, serious vigilance incidents, and they then upload it to Udemy too. Data's awful. Absolutely horrendous. <clears throat> um, it allowed duplicates of everything. We had one actor in there, separate entries, 379 times. And some of those 379 times had multiple versions, and they all owned different devices, but they were the same company. Oh, no. So the data, just absolutely abysmal. But then I pushed my way into this Udemed that you guys are talking about. Because this Udemed is really Udemed 3. Commission don't like to call it Udemed 3. They just like to call it Udemed. They're a bit funny about their naming. But they didn't want to transfer any data from the old one. They didn't want legacy devices. Now, why that? Why is that? Because the data was awful. Okay. The data in Udemy 2 was awful. That was the sure. first thing. So you, you couldn't transfer it. And because there were so many more fields that were required, things like that. But early on, there was a conscious decision made. No legacy devices. This is for the new devices, the new certified devices. We're not going to bring in any legacy stuff with us. So we designed Udemed to act like that. Basic UDI, UDI-DI, that's the composite key. A database has to have a nice key. This was the key. Then the MDCG, now there was various meetings, the MDCG and the commission had a bit of a back and forth at their meetings. And eventually the MDCG decided with the member states that uh, you are going to take in legacy devices. And time out. We don't so, care when, so what's MDCG, just for those listening, the Medical Device Coordination Group, just for, for my yes. wife told me she listens to my podcast, but she will not listen to it if I don't define the acronym. So there you go. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. I have um, the first slide I do in my presentation is a list of acronyms because I was doing a speech for the Medical Device Writers Association and they were, they'd seen some of my earlier stuff and they said, you cannot use acronyms if you don't give us a list of them. So I've kept it in there. Okay. I can Apolog- send you the list. Apologies for the for the interruption, but go ahead. <laughs> um, so the commission then came back to us, the IT team creating Udemed, and this is you're going to have to figure out some way to bring these in. So the whole idea, um, the commission don't like calling it this, but the whole idea of a fake basic UDI and a fake UDI-DI for those who didn't already have UDI-DIs, we had to um, come up with that, and it. I know I've kind of dived really deep into the, the Udemed bit there, but the the main point about it is because the data in Udemed 2 was so bad, 
And at one stage, I brought, I had um, some coding put in to block the duplicates with three member states throw the toys out of the pram and say, you've no right to do this. You don't have a legal basis, yada, yada, yada. So we very delicately pulled it all back because it's more than your jaw is worth to keep it there. Because the commission weren't allowed to do this, this time, with this unit that's been created now, the rules are so tight, you can get nothing in there. And because they've made the rules so tight, this is why we're taking so long. This is why things are being so slow. Because when I left the commission in 2019, April 2019, everything was on target to have Udamed released in March 2020. Everything was on time. Even the commissioner spoke to the parliament in the, in the August and they said, yes, everything's on time. You know? Interesting. And here we are in 2023 and I'm still saying, yeah, it's coming. Yeah. Well, I suppose if, if 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 you look back on the timeline, I guess 2020 was the world's longest year and and then followed by the world's shortest year of 2021. But 2022 we still should have gotten there. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um I mean when I left with a team of 23, now the team is around 50. Mm. When I left, we had two people running the project, one looking after the business, one looking after the IT side, and there was a good crossover obviously. Um, I made sure there was a crossover because I wanted to get as much information as I could. So I went to as many of the business meetings as well. Information is always key to these things. And now I believe there's half a dozen different managers. And yeah, and we're even later. So how does that affect uh, the actual companies that are out there who are watching this happen, thinking, okay, well, I, I know I've got to do something at some point. Um, and Brittany, feel free to jump in with your experience as well. But 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 how do you see that impacting companies? They're now complacent. They now cannot be scared. When I left the commission and I started talking about this in 2019, some rather large companies came to me straight away. Oh, you know about Udemed? And I said, yeah, yeah. And I tried to explain it. And they kind of glassed over and fogged over, didn't understand any of it. And that led to a whole other situation with training courses, et cetera. But the commission's approach is they believe everybody is just looking at their web pages, waiting for something to be published. So they've communicated. They put up a little link in a page that's maybe four or five A4 pages long, and they go, well, we've informed them. They're all ready now. The reality, most of the companies don't know anything about it. Oh, they know about MDR. They know about IVDR. They've heard of Udemed, but you know we have our data and good ID, so what's, what's the big deal? We'll, we'll get it done. Chalk and cheese. But for the companies now, like a lot of our clients have data in there already, obviously. There's a whole raft of clients who have got their budgets, but they've pushed them back till January next year. And next year they're doing it. But because of the latest, um, there's another cohort then that are doing nothing, absolutely nothing. Yeah. Until the commission says this is fully functional now, get your data in. They're not even preparing the data. And this takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. um, some of the, co the companies in Europe, they didn't have UDIs. They were just selling in Europe. They weren't selling in the US. So they didn't have UDIs. So they have the whole UDI project to go through. Then once they go through that, they've also got their basic UDIs to figure out how these things group together. The basic UDI is a, like a family 
a family of UDIs, basically. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's another twist to that coming with what's called the master UDI, which is going to be for the likes of um, contact lens companies. Okay, this is where, new to me. Brittany, are you aware of this? Yeah. Okay. No, but probably because I wasn't in the contact lens space, so I'm going to yeah. say that's okay that I haven't heard of that one. <laughs> You're blowing our mind, but go it's, ahead, Richard. Yeah, it's, a new, it's a new one coming down the road. And what it allowed, what is it's going to allow them to do is to group their lenses. We had one lady come to the, um, the working group, and she said to the commission official running it, I won't give his name, I'd love to, but I won't. Sorry. But she said, she said to the guy running it, we have a choice. If we can group the contact lenses under one ID and they're the exact same thing, exact same rules, everything is identical, a slight different diopter size, just a slight difference in the, 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 the sizes so you can actually see something. If we can group them together, we have a few hundred. If we cannot group them, we have 60,000 separate UDIs we're going to have to put in. Now, some of them run into hundreds of thousands. Yeah. And the guy laughed at her. He went, well, guess you're 60,000 then. <laughs> but this is the this is the whole idea of this uh, this master DI. Now, there's still talks going on about how the implementation, et cetera, but this is another thing that's going to be um, part of all this. But with the, with the basic UDIs, it was there to group things. Nice family of products. You're all the same. You have a different color, a different size. There's something small. There's only a tiny difference between all these UDIs. But you've got your UDI project to get everything together. From the US, you've got UDIs all over the place, or GTINs all over the place, and now you've got to group them together. And you've got to figure out, oh, is this the right group? Does this one fit in under these rules, or do I need a different group? So there's that side of the project everywhere. But then for Udemed, you've got to get your marketing data. You've got to get, when you, when you put it on the market, you've got to get, does it, is there latex in it? The, the the good idea has two questions around latex. Udemed has one question around latex. You can't even look at the exact definitions on the, the good idea side and go, well, that fits exactly there. So we're one for one. Mm. And the reason I know all this is because we've actually added the good idea to our system as well. And we thought, hey, we know this stuff inside out. We're just going to figure out where the, the crossovers are. Even when I was running the Udemed team, I had two analysts look at the good idea to see could we name things similar or could we keep things really tight so that there could be savings along the way. There isn't. Hmm. Yeah, the good that's, idea. that's a big thing that we it's ran an into. And we were definitely in the boat of what you were talking about of like, well, we can do some prep, but I was, I was pretty adamant of, I don't want us to put in our data with the, the, the database could change. And then we have to do a remediation action to get everything that's changed. There was just too much variability to risk putting things in. Cause we're talking about like 9,000 SKUs at my company. We had a lot of SKUs and basic, like we were like, okay, we're going to be able to group. And we were running into, yeah, we could minimize and there was groupings, but we had screws that, yeah, we had various sizes, but there was two sets of screws that had different materials. So we couldn't group them together because of the material properties. And yeah, yeah, yeah. we were running yeah. into so many, we were, we were trying to, and there was not a lot of overlap. Like it was its own separate group outside of the MDR transition team, because there was so much to focus there. And Udemed was the one thing that we could push to focus on the other things, the lifetime testing. And, you yeah, know, yeah. I don't know where it stands now, but I, I was pretty vocal of, 
let's let's prepare what we can. What is the most important when the time comes that it's ready to flip the switch? Let's focus there and then let's learn from what we can. And it's so hard because there's not a lot of translation and it is, it's it's a whole project, even if you have really good UDIs. And Richard, so I've I've got a question on that too. So, and and maybe we need to go through some dates because it'd be good to just kind of get an idea and feel for where we are and and what's coming. But you mentioned this, just this talk about potential master uh, DI. And I'm curious, are at some point, are we going to draw the line in the sand and this is when it's fully functional and then we're going to make additional improvements um, or, or have you, or streamlining? Uh, what have you seen or, or heard about that? Um, <clears throat> so before I left the commission, I know I keep saying this, but it was before I left the commission, I had already started lists for version two and version three. We haven't even released version one yet. This is going to be the MVP, the minimum viable product, right? There is a load of stuff that's going to come afterwards. Now, I'm gone. I'm gone four years, so I'm fairly sure those lists are a little bit bigger now, <laughs> just a little bit. But there is huge amounts that are not going to be fully ready when we're there. Um, one of the one of the bigger things that looked like it was going to be pushed until the the next version was the uh, mergers and acquisitions. What happens if you merge with a company? Company A have their UDIs. They all belong to company A. Company B also have their UDIs. They all belong to company B. But now company B is going to be trading under company A. What do you do with the UDIs? Because in Udemed, they belong to company B. There's no transfer. Mm. So does company B now have to issue all brand new UDIs and start the whole process again? Because the whole idea of Udemed is that it's going to keep the data. It's not going to delete stuff and add new stuff. It's going to keep the data. So all these UDIs, then all of a sudden you've got a duplicate situation. Because if they go to company A, it's a duplicate. But Udemed says you can't have a duplicate. Even if you've started a draft in, uh, in, in Udemed, and then you try and upload your data in XML, it'll block you because that UDI is gone because you have it as a draft. Hmm. So now you've got all this merger and acquisition stuff and demergers and company splitting. And it raises, it, it, it's a massive piece of functionality that is going to be pushed back a bit. So this- and they even, men- they even mentioned it in the, um, and the only reason I brought it up is because they mentioned it in the minutes of the meeting. Because one of the lovely things about my position with the commission is I was warned in no uncertain terms, do not mention anything confidential. They said, I mean, all this is going to be public anyway. But I was very clearly warned, we prize confidentiality. So when you get out there, shut up. Yeah, so you've got to extract so the I, confidential. Yeah. Oh, okay, what? <laughs> so, so I have to wait until they mention something. And they're just in there, and I'm keep pointing to the other screen, but they in their uh, minutes of their last meeting. Is this an OJEU, the, the official journal of the European Union? Or is this no, no, different? no. This this was a different one. This was the, the minutes of their Udemed working group meeting. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And this is also where they've mentioned another potential delay. I'll get to that in a second. Okay. But... 
there was two there was two things you asked the, going back to the first one the companies and how they're approaching it now a lot of them are being very complacent because they think they will have time because of the UDI project, even if they've all this bit done, the UDI project and their basic UDIs, even if they've all that done, collating the data can take months. It's a, it's a, it's a project in itself. So you either bring in external consultants from the likes of ourselves, and they will go in and collate all the data for you so that you can leave your RAs and QEAs doing their day job, which has to be done anyway. or you take them away from their day job and you don't count them as an expense, even though you still have to pay them and all the other work is piling up in the background, but it can take them months away from their day job to collate the data. Then after you've collated the data, you have to make sure that that data actually passes all the Udemed rules. And the Udemed rules are extensive. Believe me, I've slept with them, Jesus. They're really <laughs> extensive. We have a very clever rules engine that bounces off the data and gives you a list of what's wrong with your data. So that bit's fine. Then you have to create the XML. Then you have to submit the XML. But submitting the XML is not just select that file and push it because there's sequences of things that have to go up there. You have your version one of your basic UDI and it's first UDI DI. Then you have a different service for version two of your basic UDI. You have a different service for version two of a UDI-DI. You have a different service for version one of a UDI-DI for an already existing basic UDI. And then you have the same for the markets and the packaging. right? So lots of pain in the ass tied into this thing. But it takes time. And one of the things some companies have done, which personally I think is absolutely crazy, they've invested in building their own system. Right? For half a million dollars, you will get the most basic system on earth. I spoke with one big company from Texas, and this is, a, this is early on, and they had built their own system for the, the G10, which is a lot simpler. But they had built their own system, or sorry, for the good ID. And it would put together the XML files and deliver them, et cetera, same as a, any good um, Udemed system would. And I said to him, I said, look, are you going to, he was at one of our training sessions for Udemed. I said, you're going to do the same for Udemed? He said, not in a million years. He, spent, he said, we spent over a million dollars preparing this system, and now we have to keep a permanent team managing it. If companies outsource, to me, if, you're, if your company are doing the, the, the Udemed stuff or some of the other companies that are doing the Udemed uploads, they could run those systems for 10, 20 years and still not get to the same costs. So a lot, of, a lot of the companies are making very foolish decisions on delaying collating of the data and other ones on designing their own systems, even though they're going to be paying for this for years to come because your version twos, your version threes, all those new things that Burton and yourself are concerned about, they're going to come. And as soon as they come, Somebody has to go back in the code and make your system match. But one one thing that Brittany, I'm going to, sorry, I know you're no, trying no, to get in. No, 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 go Just for one, it. One quick one. Brittany mentioned that one of the reasons that they didn't do anything was she wanted to hold back because Udemed might change. The UDI device module now, 
from the beginning of this year, say February of this year, is fixed. It's not changing. The bugs have been fixed. Now, every now and again, you get a tiny little bit of what's called regression where they put in a new version and something small trips up. But that's software. It's like the old blue screen in Microsoft. Everybody thought it was brilliant. It's a pain, but it happens. But the UDI device module now is 100%, and there's absolutely no reason for any company to delay. Okay. Um, I'm going to take a quick time out because you've, 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 <laughs> you've fuzzed out on me. I don't know if you can re refocus your camera. Um, yeah. All right. No, that's okay. That's just me uh, wanting to see you. So that's great. Well, what happened? What happens with the camera is I keep waving my hands, trying to block out the sun, and the camera's trying to go. I need to sit on my hands. Or <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I do the same thing. Okay. So, and, and that was my understanding is that the UDI portion is uh, is locked down. And so, when when we think about that, and, and you know what, baby, basically before we go down the the road as to as to what companies should do, maybe we should talk a little bit because we've talked and mentioned Good ID, which the Global Unique Device Identification Database, I believe. I, my my, hey, that's one for Brittany. You're better than me on that acronym. Uh, that's that's the FDA's UDI database, uh, and, and uh, you also mentioned GTIM, which I believe is the Glo- Global Trade Item Number. That one was burned into my brain, and that's that's part of the <laughs> part of what you put into that Good ID, but. Um, the differences as far as Udamed and Good ID and their requirements are, um, I, I want to, uh, Brittany, have you got a, and maybe you know this, uh, Richard, the, the different numbers of, of pieces of information you have to have for each. I can't remember. It seems like it's 15 versus 54 or what, what are the? There's, from my memory, and I could be wrong on this, Brittany, from my memory on what we did, I think there was 64 data points in good id if you use them all but in udamed there's 104 okay but within Uh, udamed there is a lot of sections where you also can have multiples there's a few sections in um good id you can have multiples as well but in udamed there's a lot of sections where you can have multiples so on the one hand go ahead Brittany. i was just gonna say i'm visualizing the spreadsheets that we had to work with for uploads (laughs) and the g10 one was very straightforward I could probably fill it out in my sleep by the time I did about a couple hundred. And the Udamed spreadsheet had two tabs and it was much longer than the good ID. And with the we, multiples, that's the that's the kicker with Udamed is there are a lot of columns where you can have multiple like inputs for the one the one column. We designed our templates for companies. And one of the first things we did, we put together a template. It's like a relational database in a, in a spreadsheet, for want of a better way of putting it. For MDR, there are 20 tabs. Now, not all of them are mandatory, but you had to have a tab, a tab for the EMDN codes because you could have multiples for the um, trade names, for the additional descriptions, clinical warnings, blah, blah, blah. And it goes on and on. But there was 20 tabs. Wow. It's... Now, it is a monster. But when it's up and running completely, when it's all there and angry, angry, or in, in, in anger, rather, move forward maybe five years, 
the level of statistical data will be just phenomenal. Right. Because they have been such a pain in the ass with the rules, the data that comes out would be absolutely pristine. That's a really good point, actually. And, you know, we talk about how difficult it is. And I actually want to touch on that one one moment before we leave that yeah. 64 versus 104. You might think, oh, it's just a little less than twice as much. Shouldn't it only be twice as much work? But that's not thinking about the different permutations that result yes. from those additional columns, because that does almost become uh, uh, exponential at, at some point. If you I mean, start there, there, was one, there was one piece that um, two years ago, all you had to enter was your first market in Europe. Mm. What was your first market? And that's all you had to tie to the UDI. But I don't know when exactly they did it, but they slipped it in that with the exception of class one and class A, with the exception of those two, you have to put in all the EU markets, whether they're on the market now or you plan on having them on it. And they then they made that mandatory. And that was something that was just slipped into the user manual. And when I followed them up, they said, no, 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 this was always mandatory. I said, no, it wasn't. I was there when this was done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and so to to your point, though, you talk about the cleanness of data or the, the if the rules are as strict as they are, which the, yeah. uh, the statistical data is going to be it's going to be a, a big benefit. And I want to maybe talk about that because sometimes we only focus on how difficult it is. If you compare, I remember this is back, I'm going back five years, six years, looking at the good idea. I thought, wow, the good idea is kind of a mess. I mean, it didn't seem like very clean and please FDA don't listen to this. Uh, just ignore me. But I, that was my, that was my feeling at the time. And I don't know if that's still the case. I haven't looked at the good idea in a few years now. Um, and I'm curious what your thoughts are and, and maybe what the benefit is from having all that clean data. Is there any specific goal or use that they're, that, that uh, they're planning to, to have the industry utilize oh. for? Yeah. The use is a the use is a big one <clears throat> because when I was there, we discussed open data sets. Now, an open data set for those who don't know, it's just a big dump of all the data that anybody can import to their own database. It's very it's, it really is just a big dump of data. But when you get all this data, you could run queries on it, you could run reports on it, you can get nice pretty graphs of certain things, but yeah. you can also see trends. But the commission had said and had agreed that we were going to publish open data sets because the European Commission as a whole, they're really keen on this. They're really keen on the transparency. And for the UDI device module, every single bit of data is public. Everything. Now, vigilance, clinical investigations, post-market surveillance, there'd be summaries because there's confidential information, there's commercially sensitive information in those. But Every single thing on the device module is public. So this was the one that we wanted to, or I wanted to publish the open data sets on. And it was going to be done. But I contacted them six, eight months ago. And I said, right, when are we going to get these open data sets? And they said, what open data sets? And I said, well, the ones for X. And they went, um, we don't have any plans to do so. Hmm. Because the data the data could be used for market intelligence, 
company A can spy on company B. Yeah. Company C can go, well, which direction should we go in? Oh, there's a trend there. Maybe we should look at that product. It could trigger something for startups. I want to do some sort of a heart monitor that you look at your phone for two seconds and it works. Is there anything like that on the market? But you could find other things. Um, When I was with the commission, I sat with the commission auditors. Now, the auditor, now I know I digress a bit on this, but I come back. The auditors, they are the ones who visit the notified bodies. Under the old legislation, they had to be asked. Under the current system, they can turn up and go, give me all the CVs for everybody involved in this certification process. What, why can that person say, yes, this company is correct and we can certify them? So they really delve deep into it. But what they couldn't do is they couldn't see the trends as to which notified body across Europe was putting out more hip replacement certificates or knee replacements or screws for your jaw, something like that. Yeah, They couldn't see that. But with this new system, with this new Udwed coming up, they will be able to go a screw of this diameter of this um, metal. How many of them are on the market? What countries are they being sold in? Who's certifying the most of them? Which person within... Now, they'll have a little bit more access to the, the, the certificate module... Which person within that notified body is the one that is signing off on most of these and what gives them the right to do so? So they will be able to drill down and down and down. And what they can do, if there's a cowboy notified body, and they did exist, not under the new system, but under the old system, they did exist. They couldn't de-designate them previously not without the whole European Commission health ministers signing off and the whole thing. But under this new system, they will be able to shut down a notified body if they are cowboys. Ah, And it makes the whole thing safe. So those kind of statistics, from the public point of view, you're going in for your hip replacement. You want to see, well... Doctor says you're getting number one. You know, uh, I'm not sure. You can go in and have a look, and then you can drill down and see what other ones are available. Was there any incidents with them? How come three people died using that one and nobody died using the one I'm not getting? Yeah. So I mean, the, the, I'm a big. I'm actually a big fan of Udemy. In case you didn't catch that piece, but <laughs> it's it's the data. It's the yeah. data. Now my background is IT. I'm 28 years IT. I've my bachelor's in IT, and I have my uh, MBA in information management. So I'm all about the data. Right. Nerdy. (laughs) But for this, it is just going to give so much good data. And I know there's a lot of people really irritated with the commission, really irritated with the delays. And again, I'm irritated myself. But it's a hugely ambitious project. Now, the device module and the certificates module, they're both huge in themselves. The vigilance module, that's a whole ecosystem in itself. And the clinical investigations, 
for any poor devil involved in clinical investigations, this thing is an absolute monster. It's huge. But what they've done is they're putting them all together and they're connecting them all. In the real world, we would cons- we would call that consolidation in a marketplace, which is another story. I do think there's going to be a whole heap of that on the IT side for these uh, medical device things. Mm-hmm. But it is hugely ambitious. Ambitious. I was told it was the second biggest IT project ever undertaken by the commission. Interesting. Right? I also, oh, there's a lot of problems with it, but a lot of that might be down to lack of experience, but it's consolidated and it's put together software the way the market wants it. Now, my experience so far with the marketplace and the medical device People want to use a system that has lots of things in it. They don't want to use a QMS here, a Nudimed supply there, um, inventory there. They want to put it together. Yeah, they want to sweep. But this is what Mm -hmm. what the commission have actually done. Now, people don't see it like that yet. They just see it's, oh, it's delayed. It's a pain in the ass. We have to do all this work. But this is what it's actually done. It has consolidated everything, and it's put it all under one, one umbrella, as it were. It's almost as oh. if we're expecting a step jump in the quality of data. And and that step jump, that's a yeah. that's a cliff to climb for the industry. Sure. Go ahead, Brittany. What were you gonna say? Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, as it relates to the delays, I had seen like the last date, unless it's changed, like Q2 2024 was when, all right, this is when you were mandatory to use. You've is that the right day? Is that what's currently posted? And then I heard you mention some delays. What have they yeah, what's new? <laughs> yeah, what is the delay? Do we yeah, know what the we, new date is? Okay. Well, we do. Date. We yeah. do. Um, the date, the date for fully functional. This is and the fully functional is very important because that's after the audit, after the audit signs off, after the commission publish in the official journal. Six months after that, then it's officially fully functional, right? So. Up to a few weeks ago, Q4 2024 was the fully functional date. And now when the commission give you a Q, it's the last day. It's never up near the beginning. It's the very last day, right? So that's what was there. In their minutes for June, there was a Nudimed meeting in June and a, a working group meeting in June. And what they said there was that they need to have a longer audit. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm a bit... It's a good excuse. It's a good excuse. So they need to have a longer audit that may take up until... um, May take up to about nine months rather than the six they first thought. But then they said they need to move the start date of the audit a little bit as well, which gave them another three months. So on my calculations... The publication in the official journal will be either the end of Q4 2024 or the very beginning of Q1 2025, which makes the fully functional date Q2 2024. But I have a funny feeling it might be Q3 2025. Wait, okay. Do you have a funny feeling that it may be Q3 of 2025? 
for fully functional. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, the, the fully functional is very important because that's when Udamed becomes mandatory. The day after it's fully functional, any serious vigilance in- incident has to be reported through Udamed, not through the competent authorities as you currently do. It has to go through Udamed, mandatory, legally binding. Do not pass, go and get your 200. Probably more than 200 now in Monopoly, I don't know. But the fully functional date, a lot of, and this goes back to one of your earlier questions, a lot of companies are looking at that and going, that's when we're going to start. It is nuts. Absolutely nuts to wait until then for a few reasons. What if you have a a vigilance issue? If you've no data in Udamed, if you've no device data in Udamed, you cannot do a vigilance report because you have to select your UDI and then it'll pre-populate certain things. There's a massive form called a mirror form and it runs to about 11 A4 pages. That's the vigilance report you have to populate. But it pre-populates based on your selected um, basic UDI. But if you're IT guys on holidays, and the IT guys are always the poor schmucks who have to pull this data out and, oh, yes, we've got all the markets, we've got this, now we can put it into Udemed. If you're very lucky, you'll get that one basic UDI and UDI-DI into, into Udemed. But if it's a serious incident, you've only got two days. There's another version of it where you've got 15 days, but for the serious incident, you've got two days to get this reported because then it gets pushed out to all the competent authorities. If you don't get it out and you're late, then you're guaranteed a very long conversation with a competent authority that you really don't want to be having. That's the first thing. The second thing, if you underestimate how long it's going to take you to get all your data together and get it into Udemed. And I've got some companies that are just mental that think they can type in 10,000 devices and it'll be just fine. It only takes a couple of weeks. Just out to lunch some of these people. (laughs) But if they miss the date, if they miss their transition date, then they can't sell their devices legally in Europe. So how do you go back to your managing director, CEO, board of directors, shareholders go, listen, funny story. We haven't been able to sell in Europe for the last month. It's not really a career enhancing um, move. Right. (laughs) But then there's another twist. And this is to do with the MDR extension, where you could extend your certificates. And this was done to help notified bodies, not to help manufacturers. Some manufacturers think, oh, this is great. Now we don't have to do anything we just get our QMS in place and send a letter to this competent or the, the notified body and we're, we're all good to go. Nuts. But now there is some good things in it. I'll, I'll digress for one second. Sure. There is some good bits in it. If your device doesn't have an expiry date or a use-by date or anything that limits when you can actually use it, you can fill your warehouse and I mean, fill your warehouses to the gills. Then they're in the supply chain. Once they're in the supply chain, you can keep selling them under your MDD certificate. And we checked with the commission and we said, look, you could fill a warehouse in of 80 years worth of these, we'll say scalpels, just for example. You could fill your warehouse in of 80 years of these. 
And then I went, yeah, I still sell them under the old certificate. So that it, that's a bit of a, a weird anomaly. But because of this extension, other jurisdictions are now contacting the competent authorities and going, um, is this is this device still okay under this certificate? So they're going, yeah, but we're not seeing it new to me. And there's, there's, there's so many permutations on it because a lot of companies that we're dealing with had decided they were not putting in their legacy devices. Not a chance. Don't need to. We'll just wait for the certificate and put in the new ones. But because of the extension, these guys are now going, oh, we kind of have to put them in just in case. You then have some importers and distributors. They're saying, well, we're not going touching your device if we don't see it in Udemad. They've been It's been explained to them, and I had actually had this conversation. We explained it to these guys that, look, Udemad's not mandatory at the moment. And they said, we don't care. If that American company that were selling IVDRs, that over a 1,000 IVDRs, if that company wants us to import their goods, we want to see it in Udemad because we have a lot of legal obligations, and one of the things is we got to check Udemad. So even if it's not mandatory, yeah. So it's interesting that you bring those up because it, a lot of times we look at the one milestone and you're like, okay, well, what's the date on that? But you might not think, well, oh, the milestone yeah. after that vigilance reporting, for example, um, mm. requires that milestone to actually to have been met, you know, three months prior or whatever the a month is. You, know, you think about project, it's really just project management or looking at your Gantt chart. What What are the... Uh, preceding factors that have to happen. And that's really how companies need to be looking at this. That's that's the way I'm kind of interpreting this. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just saying what I'm hearing too is be, like where Udemed is now, it's a good business decision to start to put in your Udemed. Oh, and, yeah. and if you don't know who's going to be helping you, don't build something yourself. Outsource where you can. Start to build it now. Set yourself up for success because it's about this is the good time to get it in because the the database itself is stable. And you've also got all the other regulatory things, the Australians, the Canadians, the Chinese, everybody's changing things. And if you wait until next year, suddenly you've all these other headaches coming along. The certain markets that are looking at Udemed as the starting point for to get into their market. You have to have your CE mark and we want to see your data in Udemed, then we will do it. Then you can start looking at coming in here and selling your products here. Um, we've also come across, which a very bizarre one, and goes back to the whole thing on the data, distributors and importers using it as a product catalog. Hmm. What's available out there? We're looking for something new. Let's search for this class, this device, because we have some clients that is look, are looking for that. And they can go in and search for it because all the data is there. Now, at the moment, we only have, and I wrote these down. That's why I'm looking at it. At the moment, we have 147,000 MDR devices, 82,000 uh, UDIDIs, 82,000 MDD, 18,000 IVDR, 12,500 IVDD. And that adds up to less than half a million, we were expecting well over 2 million. Good ID has something like 4.5 million. Yeah. yeah. This so this, is really no, this, this hasn't even started yet. 
Yeah. We're expecting over 80,000 companies. Currently, there's about 22,000 with SRNs. Hmm. We wow, did, that's a, that's we a did a survey. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did a survey with um, KPMG and we went out to the market and spoke to our clients and their clients. And 10, 15% reckoned that they were in a good place. 30% reckon no problem, we'll easily get there. But that's count of companies, not of devices. Some With of the smaller many... companies seem to be far slower. And by smaller, I'm talking less than 10,000 devices. Some of the huge ones are miles, miles ahead. But they've also invested a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, but as a Fortune 500 company, that was the big focus. Is you know, Obviously, this is going to inhibit our ability to uh, to market in certain areas, whether that was a good idea or a UMDR. So um, yeah. I think sometimes maybe the awareness might be uh, an issue. A lot of, There's a lot of buzz in the industry about extensions and delays. And so a small company might just say, okay, cool, I'm good for a while, which is not really the yeah. case necessarily. But more, more headaches are coming around the corner. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's, there's so many regulatory changes coming. Quick question. So you 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 deal with so many companies and you've been in the weeds with Unimed for so long. I'm curious if you have any piece of advice for smart companies. If they are looking at this, they're just, you know, tearing their ha- hair out. Maybe they have, let's just let's just pick out a number. Maybe they have 10 devices. What what would you recommend? Is there is there any advice you give them to just uh this is how you start? Maybe don't attack at all all of your devices or or do. Now I don't know what your advice is. Our smallest client has seven UDIs. Okay. Seven. And I said to him, I said, look, go to Udemed, type them in. And he said, no, he says, I don't want to touch it. And I said, look, honestly, I said, there's certain steps. You'll be fine. I said, look, it might take you a little bit of time getting the data and that, but you've only seven devices. Just, just, just type them in. And he said, no. And I said, but I'm going to charge you X amount of money to do it. <laughs> and now our charges are far less than some, but anyway, sure. he was still going to get charged. And he said, I'll pay. Yeah. So some of it depends on if you have the people with the time. That's one thing. And a lot of companies don't include, when they're pricing their project, they don't include staff. If they have to bring in consultants, they'll include those in the budget figures. But the 10 staff that you have sitting there that are working on this full time, well, they, they, we're paying them anyway. But it's, mm. still, it's still a cost because it affects the whole thing. Right. People can go and read all the documents. All right. The documents were written for IT. They were not written for the likes of non-IT people. Right. <laughs> we, I didn't take that decision. At one of the working groups, we were asked, is it possible that you could produce an idiot's guide to it for the regular people, the ones that do the actual medical device work who still need to do this bit? And the head guy, the commission guy, because there has to be a commission guy on the top of all these things, he said, no. He said, Udemed is IT. Udemeda software. Get your IT teams to explain it to you. Most of the IT teams fix the computer if it goes down. They'll install a new piece of software. They'll add a new user. They are not heavy-duty developers. Yeah. 
I mean, Greenlight would not have an RAQA creating the next module. It's a developer's job. The RAQA can guide them as to what it should actually do, but they will not do the the hardcore coding. That's it's a different world. So the documents that these companies are looking at, the commission have published so many of them, given the exact same information in different formats, it has confused the life out of people. We've had people come to our training that have spent six weeks going through all the documents. And this is true. The guy came with a list of 18 questions. And by the end of the, the, the training session, he said, I never saw those bits. He said, I never got that. That's not in the documents. And this was all fresh because he had really, and he, it was a guy that worked with um, uh, labeling and the, the traceability side of things. So he knew he knew his business inside out. But the documents didn't have these little nuances in there hmm. because they're not written for regular people. That, right? That's that, the first thing. Yeah. The training we put together, the only reason we put the training together is because nobody had a clue what I was talking about. And I blindly said, hey, how about I throw together a training session? I'd never done it before, so I thought, how hard can it be? It took me nine weeks, evenings, weekends, because I'd committed to giving a course on it. So people could come to our training. They can find other training. We've got self-based training. It's 400 euros. You'll save yourself weeks of pain. Yeah. But they have to start. They can't just keep pushing it back because this is one of these things. It isn't going away. Even if the software is not 100% perfect and doesn't meet everybody's expectations, the commission doesn't care because legally you have to use it. Yeah. It's not like you're um, Microsoft Word against some other version. Oh, I'm going to use the other version because I prefer that. You got to use Udemy. Yeah. There's no choice. I love your example of the company with the seven uh, SKUs and they just put it in yourself or you directing people to training. Because I think to myself, uh, if if you're staring at an insurmountable task, it's kind of like the first time I ever did my taxes. As an engineer, I thought I could do this on my own. And there was a deadline. I had no choice. And so now I, I, I just said, okay, I'm going to get curious about this. I'm going to follow this form to this form to this form to this form and just read them all. And th- I don't necessarily recommend that. But the other piece of advice that you gave or, or a piece of information that I think is powerful is to know who this is written for so that you can put that pair of glasses yeah, on. Yeah. Is this for IT? Okay, well, I'm going to look at this through that lens and uh, and then just start but learning even, from that perspective. Yeah. Even with the even with the IT side, it's a very it's a very niche area. Oh yeah. No, I I sat with the guys doing the whole machine to machine and preparing the XML and everything. You ask any IT person under the sun, can you do XML? Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's very different looking at an XML file and going, oh okay, if I put that here, this will work. To creating a system that will take those. 5,000 devices, convert them to the correct XML that passes all the rules. There's a big difference between the two things. And then when it came to the, the services, that the, 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 the sections of Udemy you target depending which version of the device you're uploading. I'd never come across some of this stuff before. Mm. And I'd 
like I said, I'm 28 years, say I was 24 years at it at that stage. I'd never come across this machine to machine, the automated processing. It's a real niche of a niche of a niche. And if you try and read these things, if you yeah. suffer from an insomnia, they're brilliant. <laughs> Two minutes. <laughs> You're gone. <laughs> oh, well, very cool. We'll have to put a link in the show notes to the different trainings you mentioned. Um, that sounds Thank really you. helpful. Uh, it, one of the things that I always think of, you know, even sometimes I would go down the path trying to do something and then finally as, as a project manager or whoever, what, whatever role I was doing, and finally I'd outsource it. At least at then I knew what I was doing and I appreciated so much more and I could direct and, and delegate yeah, so much yeah. uh, more accurately. So, um, it, this is good. I really appreciate it. I know we're kind of at the top of the hour, so I appreciate you hanging in there with us. Any last I'm piece good. of advice or thoughts you have before we leave? Start. They have to. They, yeah. If they if they leave it too long, I mean, it, we're in budget season now, where they're getting their budgets for next year. If they miss it, if they leave it too long, the pain that they're going to have because of all the other systems coming in as well. It's not worth it. Just get this headache out of the way, tick the box, move on. Yeah. That's really That's the good, only piece of advice I have. That's a good point with budget season. It's it's early enough that maybe you could get it in next year with your budget. Definitely need to do that. Yeah. So, all right. Thank you so much, Richard. I appreciate you coming on to the show. Brittany, thank you for joining us as well. I really appreciate Absolutely. you giving us an hour. We will see you all next time. And until, until then, get your UDI and get your Udamed all together. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, reach out and let us know either on LinkedIn or I'd personally love to hear from you via email. Uh, check us out. If you're interested in learning about our software built for MedTech, whether it's our document management system, our Kappa management system, the design controls risk management system, or our electronic data capture for clinical investigations, this is software built by MedTech professionals for MedTech professionals. You can check it out at www.greenlight.guru or check the show notes for a link. Thanks so much for stopping in. Lastly, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It helps others find us. It lets us know how we're doing. We appreciate any comments that you may have. Thank you so much. And take care.